Are you an aspiring creative in entertainment, business, fashion, design, or the arts? Do you want to elevate your creative passion project to the next level? Then this show is for you. Whether you want a career in television, film, radio, literature, music, or beyond, Creative Breakthrough will show you how to take your dreams and turn them into reality. This show will not only leave you feeling motivated and inspired, but also provide you real-life tools to pursue the creative journey you have always wanted. I'm your host, creative coach, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassab, a.k.a. The Funny Brown Girl. Yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle. For those of you who know me, you know I love shoes. I mean, I have an Instagram account dedicated to my love of shoes. So when I saw Tondo's, a pair of washable, foldable ballerina flats with cute African designs, and I found out that I knew one of the co-founders, I knew I had to have him on this podcast. Today, we are joined by co-founder Jibolu J.G. Ayudeli of Tondos, a Lagos and New York-based fashion company that provides a platform for African artists to design for a global audience. Tondos utilizes design competitions to crowdsource its designs from aspiring African artists. Each competition highlights a social cause in Africa and drives the inspiration behind the designs. In addition, a portion of the sales are used to support the social cause that influence the design competition via partnership with NGOs. And these shoes are cute. If you have not seen Tondo shoes, go to tondos.com right now and take a look. They are accepting pre-orders. Again, they are vegan, machine washable, foldable ballerina flat. But you know what else is really cool about J.G. Iudeli's story? He started off in corporate America. Prior to starting Tondos, he led business development efforts of Viacom International Media Networks. Prior to that, he worked at Deloitte's audit practice. He did leverage finance at Bank of America. I don't even know what that means. And he worked at GE Capital, where he originated and closed mid-market to large-cap transactions. Again, totally lost. But you know what's super cool? Today, we get to hear how we went from corporate America to creative entrepreneur. And if you're wondering who his co-founder is, it's his wife, Taffy Ayodeli. So, what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, JG. Thanks for having me, Shireen. No problem. It's so excited to talk to you. I feel like we haven't caught up in a few years. Yeah, I think last time we actually saw each other was in Nigeria at uh, my brother's wedding. Yes, I think that was the last time. I think, and that was before you guys before you started. Tandos, correct? Correct. Okay. So tell me, like, where, where are you going with Tandos? And, where, like, where did that creative inspiration come from? Uh, I wish I could take all the credit for the creative inspiration, <laughs> but I can't. Um, so it really came from my co-founder, business partner, slash wife. Uh, it was a, a problem that she, she personally experienced, and that was having a compatible portable footwear option that she could use whenever her feet got tired from wearing heels. And she came up with the idea when she was she was in South Africa interning uh, with the Gourmet Tea startup. And, um, you know, uh, a couple of things I should mention about that, right? So, you know, she's definitely the more of the risk taker between the two of us because, you know, prior to this internship in South Africa, she'd never been to, been to Africa before. The internship was unpaid and she paid for a one-way ticket to get oh, there. Oh, wow. 
Right. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I mentioned that because, you know, while she was there, you know, she had these really cheap pair of rollable flats that she got from Dwayne Reed in New York. Right. And, uh, and whenever she brought them out and, and put them on, her coworkers and go, local girlfriends that she made there kept asking her where she got these from. And, you know, to her surprise, they weren't sold in South Africa at the time. And then the light bulb really went off one night when she was out with her girlfriends and one of them was in so much pain that she offered her $100 to buy these rollable flats that probably worth about five bucks at the time, right? I mean, she got them for 10, she wore them for a while, they're probably worth about five bucks. And, you know, you think that, hey, she wasn't getting paid for this internship, she wasn't getting the source of income that should take that $100, but she didn't because she was in so much pain and that pain was a lot more, a lot more valuable than $100. That's awesome. Yeah, but... uh <laughs> But, but, you know, but that, but that's when the light bulb really went off. And so, you know, at the time she was a rising uh, second year at Stern. Um, I was, I was a second year. And so she came up to me with the idea that we're dating at the time. And so she came up to me with the idea, like, Hey, you know, internships going okay, but I have this amazing idea to make foldable shoes for Africa. I was like, what? I never knew foldable shoes existed. And so I was like, you know, tell me more. And so when she told me more about the category, I was like, Oh, well, this certainly makes a lot of sense. So the value that, I uh, brought was, you know, at the time I was studying different retail, not retail really, but different uh, business models in technology that sort of brought people together. And one of them was the crowdsourcing, right? And and I discovered crowdsourcing through um, a consulting project that I did with a local startup in New York called Songza. They essentially crowdsourced, con- it was a music streaming platform. They crowdsourced the playlists and each play with li- playlist was then categorized by mood. You know, Google ended up acquiring them um, shortly after they were founded. So, you know, the founders are very happy about that. But, but, but nonetheless, um, it was... To me, just a very fascinating introduction into this whole concept of crowdsourcing. And then upon further diligence, I found out that, you know, there were some companies that were utilizing this in the retail world. And one of them is called Threadless, based out of Chicago. Um, That's a t-shirt make- company, right? Yep, 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 exactly. The t-shirt company. And so I just thought it was amazing that companies would entrust the creative a majority, a big part of the creative process to the consumer prior to actually manufacturing or producing the product, right? And I thought it made absolute sense because it's a, a good way to de-risk your inventory, but at, at the same time, have the consumer feel like they're being carried along your decision-making. And so after I learned about this, I always had at the back of my head as to, you know, like trying to find uh, a platform or product that I could apply this to. And so when Taffy, who is, you know, my wife and co-founder came to came up to me with the idea. I was like, you know, this could be something that we could marry with crowdsourcing. But having grown up in Nigeria myself, one thing I realized was that, yes, Nigeria definitely has a lot of creative talent. Um, doesn't, <laughs> certainly doesn't have a shortage for that, but also has a lot of problems and issues as well. And so what we thought about doing with our approach was to create a crowdsourcing process that was inspired by causes in, in Africa Right. And then, um, you know, turn those causes into beautiful prints that will be designed by these uh, artists that participate in the crowdsourcing competition and then, um, you know, put the winning print on our product. So the consumer is wearing a product that actually meets a functional need primarily. You know, they got a very comfortable, stylish footwear option that they can wear both as secondary or primary footwear. But at the same time, that product is telling a story. Right. It might not necessarily be a good story, but it's telling the story in a beautiful way. And so and so that's sort of how we landed on our current uh, current 
business model. Wow, that's awesome. So have you always been a creative or was this your first foray into the creative space? Excellent question. I think for people that know me, they've always said that I, I have, um, you know, that they've always sensed that I have some sort of like creative uh uh, creative bug. Um, and, you know, I also moonlight as a photographer as well. I'm an amateur, you know, kind of like graduating to a, a semi-pro photographer. But um, I should say that, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to go back to business school was to explore my creative interests, if you were right. Um, I have, a, a, and I still do have a passion for the media, tech and entertainment space. And so that's what I chose to focus on while I was at school. And I got lucky enough to get a a job um, right after I graduated with Viacom in Nigeria. So I was leading the business development efforts for Viacom in Nigeria. Um, and I thought that was a really cool way for me to marry both my finance background um, as well as my creative interests, right? And so, you know, the whole left brain, right brain thing. Mm-hmm, yep. so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I thought, hey, you know, this left brain, right brain concept, yeah, I've always heard about it. I've always heard about it. So like in a theoretical way, uh, this is a good way for me to actually you know, act it out. And, and I did, you know, so the, for a couple of years of outcome was, were, were amazing. Um, I got to, as the head of business development, I was given the autonomy to come up with creative ways in which to promote uh, the different brands that were in Nigeria. And at the time it was Comedy Central, BET, Nickelodeon, and of course, MTV. Those idea on a part-time basis while Taffy was working on it full-time. So when you leave, when you left Viacom and you went full-time to Tandos, like looking back on it, what would you do differently in terms of like leaving a comfortable job and going on your own? I would have left earlier. <laughs> so no regrets about the timing when you left or how you did it? Uh, I mean, that, that's a good question, man. In terms of the timing, for the timing, no regrets because it, it you know, one thing I, I try to do as much of is like before I get myself involved in any industry or what have you, I try to do as much research as possible by reading, more so reading biographies of those that have been successful in in the space, right? And one of the one of the biographies that I happened to get my hands on um, was that of Tommy Hilfiger, and in learning, even prior to his actual, you know, official biography coming out, I followed the Tommy Hilfiger story. And one thing I realized that was very key to the success of the Tommy Hilfiger brand was how they married the, how the brand married the entertainment space, right? Starting with music, you know, Tommy Hilfiger was primarily responsible for a lot of breakout tours, like, uh, Britney Spears, for instance, I think is one of them that comes to mind. Aaliyah was another artist that he worked very, very close with. And so, you know, way back when I found like Tommy Hilfiger was very insightful in just seeing how both fashion and entertainment go hand in hand. And so while I was at Viacom, I saw that as well, right? And I saw that and I was able to deepen my understanding of how the music industry um, um, ties into the, into the fashion space as well as build... Uh, connections with influencers that have helped us, uh, that helped us at the very early stages of Tondos and are still helping us this very day. And so that's why I think that, you know, the time I left Viacom was the right time because I was able to deepen my knowledge of the industry as well as build relationships with influencers. You started doing all this research about the footwear industry and you jumped right in. Did you guys have mentors or a network to help you figure it out? That's a great question. At the very beginning, we didn't have any mentors that I would say were domain experts, but over time, we were able to build that out. And I think what helped was that we were very open and very 
Uh, we were not shy about sharing our passion for what it is that we're looking to build with Tondos. And we also were not, um, you know, we're very humble in the sense that we asked for help from the people that we thought could could help us. And so I think because we put our guards down and we're very vulnerable, we we really, I, I think can also add a little bit of luck into this. We're really lucky uh, to have had some very strong um, and and well experienced folks that decided to come on board as our advisors and to 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 see this vision really come to life. Okay, and so then how did you guys go about learning about the industry, like how to manufacture and source and all that other stuff? We literally just learned as the, on the on the job, you know, as they say, like any articles we could grab our hands on, any research we could grab our hands on, any books we could grab our hands on. That's how we learned, and we're still learning, to be quite honest with you. Um, so, you know, we didn't go to, you know, we didn't take any classes on this, like running the business has been our class, if you will. Right. So that's, that's how we've learned about the industry. And, and the cool thing about this day and age is that there's just, just given the sort of like the, um, you know, just how ubiquitous the internet is like information is literally at at our fingertips. There's nothing, there's no industry that's out there that we can't sort of like deep dive on just based on information that is freely available. So did you ever think that you would be working in a, on a woman's shoe product? Not in (laughs) any, not in any lifetime because I, yeah, I never thought I'd be working in a a woman's uh, footwear product. I never thought that I'd be working in the retail industry period. I mean, my, my primary passion has been media entertainment tech as well as finance. You know, finance is really, um, where I was able to build a lot of the uh, foundational skill sets that have applied to really all all, all aspects of, of my of my career. So if you were to tell me, you know, prior to starting business school, like you know, JG, in the next five years, you're going to be working on a foldable women's shoe that's designed by African artists, and you're going to be selling that in the U.S. market. I'm like, not a chance. <laughs> like, how? But hey, you know, you just never let this life, man. Yeah. So you just, just life and take it. So how did you find your passion for it? Like what brings you to work every day? I mean, I think was one thing that really brings me to work every day. And to be quite honest with you, that is the sheer joy that we, an opportunity that we're able to provide to very talented African artists, right? I feel like the world is finally, right, getting to appreciate just how rich the culture and art is that's coming out of Africa. I think one of the main ambassadors for that is the music, right? That's coming out of West Africa to be more specific. Like it's really traveling, you know, across the across the world um, in, in in a very visceral way. And and you know that that certainly excites me, right? And 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 again, going back to the providing opportunities to these artists, I remember when we called the winner of the our first design competition to let her know that she'd won. I wish I'd recorded the call. Like this this lady could not stop screaming mm-hmm. on the phone. And you think you, you thought she won the lottery. I'm like, hey, you do know we're not Nike or anything, right? We're just a small brand that that, that you know we're gonna be yes, we told her, you know, she gets a royalty from every pair of shoes that we sell. She also got an upfront payment as her initial reward for designing this beautiful, beautiful print. And just anytime I sort of like have this mental a recollection of the sheer how pure the joy and and excitement and and happiness that that she expressed that's what brings me to work every day it's like listen if i can provide this for thousands of other people you know i feel that's something i feel content with 
mm-hmm. right? Because you literally created a platform for them to create, to showcase the talent of the rest of the world while also giving our customers a product that they can feel, um, you know, feel good about physically, right? It actually meets a functional need. So those are the two two things that really bring me to work every day. And I never really consider it work at this stage because it's, you know, it's it's more of a, of a mission. Oh, that's that's a good way to put it. I like that. So you talk about, like, you talked about that it's a mission and it's not really work. So what are some of the challenges you face, like starting up your own company, especially in Nigeria? How, what are the, what are the cha- entrepreneurial challenges you've had? Yeah, I don't know if we can capture all the challenges. <laughs> this might need like four of the episodes, <laughs> but, you know, I'll try to do the best I can in highlighting some of the top ones. So, I mean, the first challenge that we experienced was with fundraising, right, with anything Anything that is with any idea, right? You need some sort of financial support to bring that idea to life, right? Some folks are lucky enough to self-fund. Others have to go out there and seek external investment. You know, we were able to put our 401ks into the business very early on, but, you know, in this business, it's it's a very capital intensive business. And so there's only but so much uh, but so far as that's going to take you. And so we we knew that we were going to seek external investment. We started in Nigeria. Now, one of the first challenges that we had in Nigeria was that at the time, um, um, you know, th- those individuals or investors if you, or people that were in a position to invest and had the capital to invest just ranked very low on the sophistication index when it came to really understanding what angel investing or venture, or venture investing actually meant. The second challenge is that in building a brand in in Africa, building an African brand, the sad truth is that the African consumer is very quick to pay premium money for a foreign brand that is has established itself than to a local brand that's upcoming. Mm-hmm. And right. And so that was another reason why we felt that it was important for us to establish our brand in the US because the African consumers still is still heavily influenced by U.S. Um, you know fashion or West you know the fashion of the West as well as pop culture, and so so that was an initial challenge that we also faced. Um, a third challenge that we faced was with logistics. Right, um, right now the way our supply chain is built out is that all the IP comes from Nigeria. Right, you know we host the design competitions in Nigeria. We've developed the initial prototypes in Nigeria. Right now, the shoes are made in China, and then we, from China, we ship them to um, to the U.S. Right um, within the first year, we were we were selling in Nigeria. And if you know anything about Nigeria's port system, it is the most unpredictable, unreliable port system that you can think about. Particularly, you can think of particularly during the holiday period. And so, what happened in the month of December? Where in the retail industry, you have eighty percent of retail activity takes place in the months of November and December, mm-hmm. right? The port, the port workers decided to go on strike. Oh God! <laughs> they decided to go on strike uh, for two months, right? So they didn't resume resume work till um, after the new year. And so what you found was that you had brands that had invested a significant amount, right, of their funds into inventory that they're looking to sell in December, and it was all stuck at the ports. And so we like to call the, the, the strike the stole Christmas. So what other challenges have you faced as a person of color trying to start your own business? Uh, I think another challenge is it's still with the fundraising aspect, right? So like, hey, okay, local investors don't get it, right? When it comes to fundraising, let's go international, right? Because you, you have all these stories about how uh, any idea, was getting funded, 
right, in, in Silicon Valley. I mean, you can make uh, flying toilet paper, right, that's controlled by your smartphone, and that gets some amount of funding. I'm not sure that's even a real idea, but you get the point. Like, any idea was, was getting funded. It was like, okay, you know, we'll sort of, like, try our luck and see if we can get, um, you know, more sophisticated investors to back us. And so, you know, we came to the States and started our fundraising process, and we found that even though investors had invested in the space before, um, had invested in what the they like to call digital native vertical brands, like, you know, the Warby Parkers of the world, the Bonobos of the world or what have you, we were still having trouble um, getting, and still, honestly, to this very day, uh, getting, you know, those investors to back our business. And, you know, the, the one reason, the one thing or, or rationale that we've come up with as to why that's not happening just has to do with the context of what it is that we're selling. I think whenever the word Africa is mentioned, it just seems so foreign. However, though, now I think the narrative is changing. You know, we, we like to call it the Wakanda <laughs> effect. And we, 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 you know, we pray that this Wakanda effect lasts in, for, you know, in perpetuity mm-hmm. because, you know, we can certainly uh, leverage it. But I mean, but in all, in all, in all seriousness, right, it just shows that, it, it what what the Black Panther movie did for 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 me anyways just showed that African narratives are ready to be consumed by a global audience right and that can literally translate or tran yeah tr- uh, translate um, into or transfer rather into other arts products and services that are coming out of out of the continent it just has to be communicated in a certain way that is palatable for the audience that you're serving. So are you going to follow that same branding and really capitalize on Tandos now in this in this new space? No, absolutely. I think the timing is really excellent for us to showcase, uh, for us to present our, our company, you know, the unique business model that we have and the heritage of the of the company, and and really sort of like um, um, link it to just how successful you know African narratives and popular African narratives and culture and art are becoming in the West. You know, I, I mean, there are a host of other examples that I can give that support this thesis. So what other, like, do you find, do you feel that as a person of color, you've been held back in terms of like, do you think you'd be further along despite the fundraising, other aspects of being an entrepreneur? I think that, I think that, yes, I think so. And I, I'll, I'll tell you why. I don't even think from a press standpoint, right? I feel like when you look at our story, Right, there are a lot of the Tondo story is multi-layered. Right, we're an African brand. We crowdsource our designs from African artists. We're a husband and wife couple that started the company. You know, we started the company while we were starting. We came up with the idea for the company while we we're in business school. So there are a lot of like romanticized. There's a lot of romanticized uh, aspects to our story, and you find that with other uh, companies that have they've come out and done really well. Um, and then have founders that are not of color and have similar stories, their stories get to get picked up very, very quickly, right? And so what we found, though, is that the more um, we have put ourselves behind the brand and just let the brand live, live, live on its own, that the story gets picked up. More recently, we were featured by, uh, there's a popular blog. I had no idea about this blog. My wife didn't either. It's called Man Repeller. Are you familiar with it? No. Is that American? It's an American blog, yeah, Man Repeller, yeah. the Man Repeller, but apparently it's one of the top blogs here. And they did a feature on us, on um, on on our, not only the designs of our product, but also our size assortment, right? And so we feel like if, the, you know, the, the managing editor for Man Repeller wrote the story, and I think that she really was, 
just fascinated by the product and the brand and, and less so by the founders, right? And that's okay for us, right? Because I find that mm-hmm. that's tended to, to, to work well with regard to the earned media that we've been getting. At any point, do you ever feel like you get extra visibility or because you have your MBA and so does Taffy? Or do people just overlook the fact that you guys have those reputable degrees? I think it depends, right? I think with certain... Um, certain conversations that we've had and certain meetings that we've had, those degrees definitely get us into the um, get us into the room, right? To, to to have these discussions. I mean, other in other spaces, uh, most even like the creative space, they matter less so, right? It's just more so on how creative. Like an MBA doesn't translate to oh, you're master of creativity, <laughs> you know. So, so in, in those spaces, it's, it's not as important, but when it comes to actually, you know, talking to potential investors, then it, it, it does, it certainly helps. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that the MBA has helped you on this journey at all? Or do you feel like you should have skipped that part of your life? No, no, no. I think it's definitely helped for a number of reasons. One, just the way in which I think about growing this business, there's just certain frameworks that I've, I've learned while getting an MBA that I'm able to apply to the business um, that 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 work. And without having gone through an MBA, uh, I wouldn't have been able to not only learn those frameworks, but also um, discuss and, and test those frameworks out with my classmates, right? Um, another another thing is the network that comes with an MBA. You know, some of our very early customers were our friends, you know, that we went to business school with. And they themselves are, you know, have their own networks that they can plug out, that they have plugged our product into. And and another thing that, you know, really makes me happy, the fact that I did decide to go back to school, uh, particularly at, at Stern, is just how the supportive the the school's been by providing resources to help us out along our journey. You know, for instance, you know, we, we got selected as a as a case company for an, one of the MBA classes, um, was an MBA class in like strategy. And so we had uh, a number of students that worked with us over the course of the semester for free. You know, that was fantastic. Right. Yeah. Um, and through that we've actually had a couple of students that have expressed very strong interest in joining us full time. Oh that's nice. Uh, yeah, when 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 we're able to afford them, I just add that. I'll just add that, add that caveat, you know. But uh, but but yeah. So I have no regrets at all whatsoever going back to to get an MBA. And every chance that I get, I actually go back to you know to my alma mater and speak to other aspiring entrepreneurs, you know, about the journey, you know, what what what's worked for us, what hasn't worked for us, the ups and downs, and I and I find those those um those interactions to be very meaningful on both ends. What are the ups and downs of working or starting a business with your spouse? I think one of the earlier challenges that we had, particularly because we were working out of our apartment in Nigeria, was really separating work from our personal life, right? And and we, we had to become very intentional about doing that. Um, thankfully, one of our early investors had given us, uh, had, had, has given us a workspace um, in Nigeria. That's the town of headquarters that we work out of. And that certainly helped us delineate the personal from the professional life. Um, and I think another challenge that um, occurred early on, and I always say that if we weren't able to overcome this challenge, we probably would not be here today was getting to, um, getting used to each other's work style, right? So like I said earlier, I come from the finance world. I was, you know, every stereotypical thing you hear about investor banking, I experienced it. It wasn't a stereotype. It was real, right? Um, and so just coming with that sort of hard charging uh, mindset and approach to working was very different from 
Taffy's, right? Taffy came from, yes, she did some banking, but majority of her career was spent working in the government. And when you compare the environment that the that comes with working in the government, which is known to be very bureaucratic and sometimes not as fast as as the investment banking, you know, there was a difference in work style. But very early on, we're able to reconcile our differences and, and develop a cadence that we have worked with um, and that's worked for us um, up until up until now. But if we weren't able to get that, uh, if we're not able to to figure that out at the time, we certainly would not be where we are right now. I'll probably, you know, it, it definitely wouldn't be the story of a husband and wife couple uh, working on Tano's. It might have been, you know, the wife's working on Tano's and the husband's mm-hmm. working on something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. What, what advice do you have for other creatives on their journey? I think the advice I have for other creatives is that, you know, creativity, I find, is not something that can be forced. I think it's something that's very, um, you know, that's sort of like very, it, it boils down to just like your natural instincts. And I will also say, even though I do firmly believe that everyone has a certain amount of creativity within them, I also believe that they're just those folks that have more of it than others. And I would say that in anyone's creative journey, you know, you need to be honest with yourself and see on which side of the spectrum do you do you fall on? Are you fall do you fall on someone that's just naturally very creative? Or do you fall on someone that has elements of creativity where you can also identify uh, it's the phone doesn't <laughs> Okay. So um, you know, like identify identify those that are that are um, that, that are a lot more creative than you, and and empower them, right? To to really flex on that creativity, particularly if you're working in a, in a team, sort of like uh, in in a, in, a, in a team setting. So that that's the advice that I give other sort of like uh, folks that feel like they might have a creative bug or Ill itch that they need to they need to scratch. It's just being being honest with yourself, being honest with the being honest with the process, and that's what's worked for us. You know, like I said, even though I myself have believed that uh, I certainly do have some creative abilities. I also know that our designers, you know, who are rock stars, by the way, are a lot more creative than I am, a lot more talented than I am. And so I make sure that I empower them in a way that brings the best out of them in terms of expressing that creativity. Cool. So let's just jump into the lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Rapid you fire. You did not warn me about this, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to do my best. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Do good and do well. What's your definition of success? Is to impact, positively impact as many lives as possible. That's the definition of success to me. Who inspires you and why? Co-founder inspires me. What's a habit that's helped you on your journey? Working out. So I find that, you know, I try to work out at least five days a week, um, very early in the morning. It centers me. It's really because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're thinking about a thousand things a second and just taking that time to like Zen out and really align all those thoughts into a very, um, a very narrow stream. Um, it's, it's very important. And for me, what helps me do that is working out and also praying. You know, I'm also very, I'm a spiritual person and that certainly also helps. Um, another thing that helps me is I alluded to this earlier that I do a lot of research. I read up a lot on the industry. I read up a lot on folks that have done it and been successful. And for me, if there's any lessons that I can learn along the way on mistakes that I should avoid, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather do that than have to go through my own experiences. So those are like three things that I see have certainly helped me in, uh, in my journey. 
What do you want your legacy to be? I was able to create with my partner a company that literally provided a global opportunity for a segment of people that were whose talents were not not as celebrated, but at the same time helping out people in the communities that these artists are from. Right. So that 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 is that's the sort of legacy I want to leave. That I was able to build a company that did very well and did very very good at the same time. Right. I think that that's a model that the companies of the future should embrace. Like, yes, you can be a very profitable company. You can provide the sort of returns that investors are seeking out, you know, that they're seeking out. But at the same time, though, you're not destructive in the ways in which you go about getting those results. You're actually being additive. You're, you're positively contributing society in a greater way. And so that's, that's, that's what I want to achieve. If people wanted to buy Pando's shoes or follow you guys or get in touch with you, where can they find you? That's very easy. So the website, you can get your shoes at tandos.com, T-H-A-N-D-O-S.com. And our Insta- all our social media handles are Tondo Shoes. Very cool. Thank you so much for joining us today. No, it was a pleasure. This was, this was fun. This was fun. Hey, before you hit pause, did you find this episode helpful and enjoyable? If so, could you leave an Apple podcast, a.k.a. iTunes review? It'll take you less than one minute and mean the world to me. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more people are able to find this podcast. If you're unsure how to leave a review, no worries. If you're on your iPhone or iPad, go to the homepage of this show and scroll down to write a review. Click on it and you'll be able to rate and review the show. If you're on a Mac from iTunes, go to the show homepage and on the top, click ratings and reviews. Also, please subscribe to get the latest episodes once they drop. If you enjoyed the episode and know someone who would love it, please share. From your iPhone, click on the icon with three dots and then share via social media, email, or text. If you want to hear more, head over to funnybrowngirl.com forward slash podcast. You can also find me online. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Funny Brown Girl. Also, sign up for my free newsletter for more tips to advance your creative journey at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And again, if you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thank you for listening. See you next week.